0: Hey everyone, it's Jeff, and you're in for a great interview treat because I was able to bring back one of my favorite survival bloggers to our show, Pat Henry, picking up where we left off on a topic that he and I shared with you in the past, defending yourself and your family from the chaos and violence that can quickly engulf any area in a clash. And our target this week, looters. I know you're going to love this week's show, so let's go ahead and get things started.
1: Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival.
0: Your home is your castle. Your refuge is the territory around that home. Together, this is the place where you're going to dig in during an emergency. The place where you will choose to shelter in place Unless and until it becomes necessary to bug out to a safer retreat. I mean, let's face it, that's where your survival cache is anyway, right? I mean, Your food, your weapons, your gear is all stored there, your family is there. But what will you do if we suddenly suffer a major disaster that throws your town into chaos? Now, as we've seen time and time again during times of crisis, the wolves come out to prowl. And with collapse comes the threat of looting and violence that could threaten your family and your survival stash. So what will you do if your property comes under attack, and how can you prevent such an attack in the first place? That's what we're here to discover right now. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot, and discuss how to avoid an attack during times of civil unrest and looting. We are here with survival expert, Pat Henry. Pat, welcome back to the show, man.
2: Thanks for having me on, Jeff.
0: Love having you in. I know you've got lots of great information and um, listen, everybody, if, if you didn't catch the last podcast that we did with Pat, go check it out because there's a lot of great advice in there. And Pat is a, a veteran of the U.S. Army and a driven patriot who believes wholeheartedly in self-reliance. Now, Pat draws upon his military experience and several years of survival training to develop a self-reliant lifestyle and a fast response action plan for when the warning signs of impending doom turn to red flags. He's a prolific writer whose articles have been viewed over three and a half million times by people in over 160 countries, and you can learn more about Pat and his training at one of my favorite blogs on the internet, which is www.theprepperjournal.com. Now, Pat, we've seen in recent bouts of civil unrest and protest that any time there's a large group of angry people, there's the potential for violence, and. And if your home happens to be in that hot zone, even if you live in a normally quiet part of the country, you could end up becoming a target. So here's my question to you. What would you say are the biggest mistakes that most people make when protecting their home in a collapse? And and thinking more like, like a military strategist, what would you say is like a better overall defense strategy when the threat is the potential of coming face-to-face with a rampaging band of looters that are out there? Uh
2: well um you know I think in a collapse you're, you're, the thing that we try to, to drum into people's minds as much as possible when we're talking about you know prepping or you know um you know self-preservation skills like self-defense is, is to to fight against the normalcy bias. I think a lot of people out there to their to their detriment uh just don't believe it's going to get as bad as um as it, it is um you know you you saw uh after hurricane katrina people you know i don't know how many days they had advance notice that a hurricane was coming but then when it came uh all the power was locked you know locked out uh there was no food you know they they were stuck in their homes and they were freaking out and you know you know this this is real this is happening so in a collapse scenario i think the sooner um the sooner you can realize that it's it's possible that it's not all gonna be rosy um you know in a couple hours. The the power company will not be driving trucks through there. You're gonna to have to realize as soon as possible um that you're gonna to have to take matters into your own hands. I think anyone you know listening to your site certainly you know has that kind of mindset. Um you know so once you've gotten past that, you know, um another uh another mistake could be um not being prepared to deal with uh the ramifications of having to defend your life, I think um far too often we rely on the police um and in a in a collapse, you know if the looters you know coming down your street um you're gonna have to be prepared to defend your home, defend your life, possibly from people who have shown that they don't give a rap, you know what uh, the police are gonna do. Um, so I think, you know, as much as possible, thinking through the steps you're going to take, or, you know, you could be faced with in defending your home, uh, is going to put you in a better position whenever that time does come. And then, um, you know, another mistake would be just not being there. If you, most of the people I would assume listening to your podcast do not have mansions with security guards and, you know, uh, a, a small military force to protect it whenever they're not there. If you're not there at your home, if you, you know, bugged out to, um, I don't know, a neighbor's house or you're, you know, at the bar watching this all unravel on TV, you're not going to be there, um, you know, to defend your home. So anything that you do have, your survival supplies, your food, your stored water, the, the um, you know, the, the gear that you're counting on to to be there to defend your family is going to be up for grabs. So, you know, you know, not being at home uh, during this crisis is going to be, um, you know, another mistake. So, you, getting back to what you you asked, what a the better overall defensive strategy? I think um, having that neighborhood um, watch plan would be ideal. Having a, a a group of neighbors that you can count on, if for nothing else, to to watch each other's back. Um, is, is going to be crucial. Um, this is hard to set up like we talked about in the last time before there's a real threat. But once there's a threat, your neighbors are going to be uh, motivated by self-preservation. They're going to want to, you know, do whatever they can to watch your home, watch their home, because, you know, you're helping each other out. I think, you know, going going at this with the mindset of you're going to need some people to help you and, and forming a larger defensive group it would be the best uh, best way to look at this.
0: So you bring up something because this is always a decision-making process of to stay or, you know, should I stay or should I go? And so, you know, you say that one of the mistakes is to, you know, is to not be at home, like watching it from some other place, being at home to defend what you have. And but another option would be to go. And, and, and I guess that is a real crossroads. And if you're not prepared, it might just be you and, you know, you defending against the mob. Fortunately, you have your home. We'll talk about ways to, you know, kind of defend that better, but a better plan. One of the other, the broadcast that you and I did was on neighborhood defense planning. And that is part of, you know, I'm assuming part of the plan. That's what allows you to stay and defend rather than kind of taking a lone man Rambo type strategy versus, you know, the mob of people with pitchforks and Molotov cocktails. Um, so that's all part of the equation there. Um it seems to me, I mean it's obvious that the best way to defend your home is to avoid a problem in the first place. So so let's talk about kind of that of avoidance, that that deterrence model. What what are some strategies that I can use to make my home less of a target when the threat of looting and violence is rampaging through my area? Right.
2: Uh oh, well um you and I talked a little bit about the the concept of um deter detect delay and defend. And so the first First part of that, uh, in a you know self defense scenario, is you know how can you make your home less of a target? How do you deter people from wanting to loot uh, and and come in there and and um, you know take what you have? And um, I think the first thing would be don't give them anything to come after. I know a lot of looting, it uh, you know we watch on TV looting is you know predominantly. Um you know busting open stores after you know some kind of a sporting event loss, or you know like the riots in Ferguson, they broke into stores and they either just destroyed things or they took goods um in a collapse. I don't think they're going to be you know stealing Xboxes. um in a collapse they're breaking into your home looking for survival supplies or at least that's what I think um so to as best as possible do what you can to not make your home look like a good target. I think, that if, depending, on, depending on the severity of the collapse, one of your strategies could be to make it look like you've already been looted. Um, you know, if, if there's been a lot of violence in your area, you could, you know, spread uh, just junk and trash on your lawn, uh, maybe, you know, bust a, rip a door off, you know, or, or a, 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 you know, put some of your, uh, trash in the yard, put some some goods in the yard, spray paint some graffiti on your house, you know, and board up the windows, make it look like someone's already been through there. Um, it may or may not work. It just depends on, on, uh, you know, how bad it is. So we talk about, you know, being the gray neighbor, not letting anyone know that you have food, you have supplies, and you're doing pretty well off. So you want to blend in more. You want to look like you're, uh, just as hard up as everyone
0: else. You so definitely don't want. That's interesting. I mean, that's kind of like the we, you know we talk about the gray man strategy. That's kind of like the gray house strategy. So, you know, and this is kind of a, a crossroads where a lot of survivalists, like they say, some say just what what you said. If you, but if you're the only house that looks looted on the block, then that looks weird. Like that's not that like, that makes you stand out. If but if looting has gone through your area, even if you have successfully defended, you know, if all the other houses have spray painting on them. Then, and if your house doesn't, you know what I mean? Like now you're not the gray house anymore. So that makes, right. that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, cause that decision-making process is you want to look like the other houses on your block. And if it's, if it's a looted area, then looking like a looted house could allow you to blend in where somebody doesn't go by and say, Hey, even if it's just a subconscious recognition, you know, the, rec- the reticular activation <laughs> system, as they call it, you know, it's like, wait a mm-hmm. minute that's not right. What's different about that house? Oh, I know. It hasn't been, nobody's gone through that yet. Let me go check it out. Right.
2: Right. I I think it, you know, I think it could work. Like you said, if, if uh, you know, there's been looting going on in in other areas, making your house look like it's already been a target would would work, but um, it might not work, you know, right at the start of, of looting. So then you have other things like, uh, you know, fences. I think a fence, um does offer you some ability to deter looting, but it's not going to be – I don't think it's a perfect solution, not unless you have concertina wire strung up, you know, around your fence, and then that's just going to invite a whole other, you know, different kind of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a deterrence could be like they did in Ferguson where you're standing out front, you know, guarding your home with a semi-automatic rifle. That's you know, kind of blends into defense, but it could also be a deterrent. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, one of the, one of the overlooked, you know, deterrents is dogs. People do not like to be bitten by dogs. And if you've got a dog in there that's getting ready to, you know, tear someone a new one, they could be a, a deterrent too. So there's, you know, if it's, if it's collapse and people are trying to feed their starving babies. Uh, you're going to have different rules that you have to play by. But there are some, you know, you might be able to keep less serious people away with with some of those
0: methods. Those are good. Those are good points. And when you do look at like the Ferguson riots, um, what's interesting about that dynamic, there were the Oath Keepers, you know, the, I don't know what you would really call them. They're not like a vigilante group, but they're, they're basically a group of let's just call them Patriots who chose to, you know, get their rifles. Now, look, they looked like, you know, commandos out of a Mac Bolan novel. They're wearing all, you know, <laughs> military Mac gear. Spider-Man, I haven't heard
2: that in forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but they're up on the rooftop. They've got their AR-15 with the bipod and the scope, and they're all, like, like they've been waiting for doomsday to happen. But the, those stores that they protected were not looted, as opposed to other ones that were. And I, and I have to think because I'm not out out in the mobs of looters that are running through the streets, but they, the looters know that the police are basically, their hands are being tied because they have to abide by laws. They, you know, especially when they're under scrutiny, especially when they're under scrutiny for police, you know, police abuse that those looters figure that they have more leeway because it's not the police are just going to start mowing them down with AR-15s and and grenade launchers. Whereas if you're looking at your, your neighborhood defense plan with people with an AR-15 rifle that they, they could be loose cannons. They're not like the police. They, they are the people who aren't trained, you assume. And maybe, you know, they don't i don't have as much leeway with these people because they just might shoot me where the cops probably aren't you know the worst i can get is a couple of cracks over the noggin with a nightstick and maybe possibly they might catch me or tear gas or something like that
2: right right you're you're dealing with people who are 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 not uh, upholding a, a law uh, they're not doing something that they get paid to do. They're they're defending their their home. So you got a, a much bigger fight potentially, and a lot more um, you know a lot more on the line. And I think looters in in almost every sense of the word are going to be looking for the easiest targets, not the hardest.
0: Great point. Yeah. Okay, we're talking with Pat Henry of thePrepperJournal.com about preparing yourself against a violent attack in the midst of a crisis or collapse we we'll to be back in just a minute with more questions as we discuss early warning signs of an attack, fortifying your castle, and fighting off a mob attack. But first, check out this message.
1: In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home. The supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them and how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar juice box and a blankie but you know that no one can protect your family better than you can if you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival don't wait until it's too late Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show.
0: Okay, we're back with Pat Henry of theprepperjournal.com to discuss your looter defense plan during a crisis or collapse. So, let's go ahead and jump back into our interview. Now, Pat obviously the sooner I know that my family and property are in the crosshairs of looters, the quicker I can respond. But if they're if they're already knocking on my front door with a sledgehammer, I have pretty much failed miserably. So what are some of the specific and realistic tactics that I can put in place to detect when an incoming attack is coming as soon as possible that, that's going to give me that reactionary gap that's going to allow me to defend my family?
2: Right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, you, you kind of frame the The whole thing, if you're in your home and they're beating on your door, it's too late. Um, so I think if, if you're, if you're trying to get advanced warning, you need to have a different perspective. So you can't be inside your home looking out the peephole. You're going to have to be, um, outside of your home, really. And I think the further away you can be from your home, the earlier you're going to be able to detect problems that are coming towards your home It goes back to that neighborhood defense, uh, plan we were talking about. But, but even if you don't have a, you know, a group of neighbors, you know, looking out for you to, to, to see what's coming down the road, you need to be down the road. Um, so I I think, you know, getting outside of your home, um, you know, monitoring, you know, where the crowds are, if, you know, if there's a crowd, even being, uh, you could even be, you know, across the street at your neighbor's house hiding in the bushes. Maybe if your neighbor's gone, um, and you want to keep an eye on your home, uh, to, to, to watch people that are, they're moving towards it. You know, you can do, you can do things like that. Um, making sure you have a, a good communication system with the people in the home. So that's where, you know, radios would help. Um, other options that might work, motion detectors, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of different options from simple driveway monitors, which would be great if if the leaders walk up your driveway. They can alert you, and, you know, you can be in your home. It's so a wireless device. um the sensor will go off, and you know someone's coming. Again, it, that's if they walk up the path to your, you know, where your motion sensor is. There are, um, you know, it's a device I found. It's, a, it's an airsoft grenade, and what it what it really is is it's just a, a CO2 cartridge with a grenade-type mechanism where you pull a pin and the spoon flies off and it, it explodes uh, an, air, an air charge. And they say it's 130 decibels, which is pretty loud. But if you can, um, you know, swing trip tripwires around your property, head up to these uh, airsoft grenades, that's a, a great perimeter alarm that you can use, and you'll you'll hear exactly where they're coming in. You'll have, you know, advance notice to move to, you know, the other side of your property and uh, engage the threat. Security cameras are a good option if you have power, but they're only good if someone's monitoring the security cameras, and, again, you have enough coverage, um, you know, to see where the looters are, are walking in. Security cameras are usually up close to the house uh or, you know, the dwelling, and at that point, they're basically at your front door and um you know an, another one is the dog again if you have your dog out there you know my dog will bark and the ups truck is the next street over so uh you know if there's anybody out there i mean if a if a deer farts half a mile away my dog is barking so uh,
0: you know i can't recommend the dog highly enough yeah that's a good point it's a good point and this really goes i mean when we looked at um uh, you know we look at back basically back at our military training when we were in a defensive position because it might seem strange to some people like why would you be out of your home because they're thinking hunker down and that really is a limitation you know you're reducing what your reaction time might be that reactionary gap and when we were in a defensive position you know you would set your your perimeter uh, there would be a perimeter defense but there would also be a way back to you know where you could fall back to another line of defense and so you know, if you do, if you can push your your early detection zone out there across the street or down the road or whatever, you know, of course, you're going to know how to get back to your next line of defense or be able to stay covert to be able to find your way back to your home. This, again, this also goes back to our neighborhood defense plan interview that I did with you because it really is about knowing and mapping out what your area is. And that's the time to do that is before anything happens in the first place, you know.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's a, if you're engaging targets on an outside perimeter, well, then it's it's really bad. But, you know, if nothing else, at least being out there far enough so that you can see, um, you know, what's coming towards you. And maybe it is, like you said, maybe it is time to, to bug out. That's the time when you leave. I wouldn't do it, but, you know, if you can see someone a half mile down the street, you know, that's going to give you a lot better. Um, you know, the advantage of, of sneaking out the back door than if, you know, if they're, if they're already beaten on the front
0: door. Yeah, exactly. And just as kind of like a, a side story, I used to live in a, um, a very gang infested area of New Mexico. And I, my, the wall of around my house used to get tagged all the time with graffiti. So I ended up putting a tripwire along my wall with a blank 12 gauge shotgun shell. And, um, wow. and it works it works <laughs> it scared the shit out of. Me. At least for about 3 weeks I didn't get tagged. And then I put the uh the tripwire up again and they figured they figured it out from the last time and basically took away my trip my tripwire mechanism tagged me again the little bastards. But um oh, wow. anyway, yeah, I I guaranteed that woke somebody up. Yeah, it did. yeah. Um you know we talk about our home itself like like When you think about a castle, like we talk about fortifying our home, like castles had moats, they had drawbridges, they had high stone walls, they had guards there at the gate, they had ogres and, you know, fire-breathing fairies or whatever, you know, there there were things put in place to delay those attacking hordes that were trying to enter the heart of the castle, at, at least long enough to either defeat the invading force with other like munitions that they had or, you know, different ways of attacking the force or to get the, the marauders to give up and go on to another weaker castle that they could take over more easily. So what are some ways that I can fortify my property to increase my reaction time even further for defeating looters who may be trying to get to my home and break in? Right. Well, you
2: know, the the castle you described with the younger, that's my dream home. But, uh, (laughs) I You know, none of us probably are, are going to be able to uh, pull something like that off. And, and our homes, uh, you know, have pretty big weaknesses. I mean, they're they're really not designed to withstand an attack. Um, doors and windows, first floor windows and doors are where most looters will um, will come in. Or, or most thieves will come in. Uh, not even a looter, but anyone looking to, to steal from your home, they're going to go to you know, uh, our wooden doors, which can be easily kicked in, uh, you know, first floor windows, which are, you know, easily broken, or if you, you know, have done something really stupid, like left your garage door open. Um, but one of the, one of the easiest things you can do is to reinforce your doors. Um, and this does not have to be with the giant, You know, uh, you know, four-inch thick oak, you know, oak door with big black, you know, you know, iron hardware on it. Although I'd love to have that, but you can reinforce your wooden doors with uh, a really simple piece of uh, hardware. And there's a couple of people that sell them. Uh, One brand is called Easy Armor, and all it is is it's it's a uh, it's a metal shroud that goes over your door. It goes over the lock mechanism and it's, um, it goes over the hinges. There's a couple pieces. And all you do is take out, take this uh, and screw it into your wooden frame with some really deep screws, three-inch screws, and then instead of having a wood surface that's supposed to withstand the brunt force of a kick, you have metal. Um, and this is something that for less than a $100, I think it's less than $70, you can put on um, one of your doors and then seriously increase the strength of that door um if you don't have uh you know a a door kit like that or maybe you're just adverse to drilling screws you know there's security bars that are even cheaper and you just wedge that up under your door and it you know it's kind of like the old i'm going to stick my chair under the door handle trick and keep my roommate out uh it works um it, it prevents people from getting in or it slows them down And that's what we're talking about, really. No house is going to be able to withstand assault forever. But if you can slow them down, that gives you time to, you know, get ready, get, you know, get your weapon if you have one, or possibly, you know, escape another uh, another way. Um, One of the things that I want to do is they sell these C brackets, and it's this gets back to the castle a little bit more. But in a collapse, I'm definitely doing this. Um, it's, you know, heavy duty, um, you know, C brackets that you bolt into the wall and then you just slide a two by four across there. So your door is now, um, you know, covered up with a two by four and these big brackets and that's going to be incredibly hard to kick in. Um, things like uh, security window film, 3M makes, uh, and I think other companies make security window, window film that you can put on the inside of your windows that will make your windows behave more like um safety glass. So it won't protect you from bullets or anything like that, but it'll wrap your windows in a layer of this heavy duty plastic. And they sell every, everything from four mil to twelve mil plastic, I think. But you, you put on the inside of your window and then instead of shattering and just collapsing, your window uh will stay together, the plastic will keep it all together. And um there's videos of, of guys beating on this with a with a hammer for, you know, a minute. Uh, so it's, it's not going to be foolproof, but a minute is going to be a whole lot better than, you know, one second. If someone throws a rock to a regular window, bam, it's, it's open. But security fence, um, and reinforcing your doors are, you know, two ways I think that you can slow them down.
0: Yeah. I've seen those videos too, like of, um, of CCTV cameras catching somebody picking up like a, um, like a trash can and trying to throw it through a store window and it bounces off, you know, or it shatters, but it doesn't break and they keep pounding and pounding and pounding at it. And, and when you're looking at defending your home, you know, that's, that's really what you need because the last thing you want is you're defending from the front and then in the back, all of a sudden there's a smashed in window and they're in the house in a matter of seconds. What you want is there's the smash and a smash and a smash and a smash and they're trying to get through, which gives you time to, get back there and get, you know, get them before they actually get into the house.
2: Right. Yeah, you're, you're just looking at buying time. And right. in, a collapse, in a collapse, if someone's coming into my home, then I've got time to get back there and address them in a way they're probably not going to like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Pat, when it, when it comes to the actual armed defense of our home during that kind of an attack, You really, we have to look at this more in line with like a military defensive mission, more than like your typical criminal home invasion. It's it's different, right? Because you could very well be dealing with a lot of attackers, along with a police force that's not going to be there. At least with a home invasion, you know, if you call 911, you know, okay, maybe maybe at least several minutes later, but typically there's going to be somebody coming to respond. If it's really like a collapse-like situation, the police could, you know, as we saw like in Ferguson... They're not coming, like they're all, they're in force, they're protecting the government buildings or wherever it is, but they're, they, they're not going to go out there in solo or, or team, you know, two man teams to go respond to leader, uh, looters that are out there. So what would you say are the most critical factors in designing a, a defensive mission plan that would give you a fighting chance against an attacking mob on your home? All right, well i
2: I think you know going back to what we were talking about a little bit
0: uh, earlier
2: is um you know really you need to have different layers of security so your your home would be the absolute last bastion of defense you know that's your you know that's the castle you can't retreat from the castle unless you leave the castle um so ideally, you would want to be looking at you know uh, somewhere away from your home. And falling back to your home if necessary. I think that would be ideal. It's not always going to be, um, you know, the only way you can do it or the best way to do it. So within your home, um, you know, I think that if you have a have a plan for uh, where people are going to come in and where you're going to, you know, take up a defensive position, like an interior hallway, um, some place to funnel those um you know those people coming into your home because if if it's if it's a collapse and people have come into my home, uh it's lethal force time. There's there's no negotiating with them. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be the only thing that you can do or well, in my opinion, if someone's coming into my home, it's a collapse, they're gonna have to be met with lethal force. Um so I'm looking for the best way that I can position myself and my family so that we're safe as much as possible and we can still address that um threat. So pinch points in the hallway that come down the hallway and you know that's uh, I have cover set up there um where I can hopefully you know take care of them before they take care of me. Um, one of the things that I think could be a benefit and we might not think about it too much is is being able to communicate during an event like that uh you know as you probably know everyone knows gunshots are loud but contrary to tv shows you're not talking to you know your buddy down there while you're shooting over the you know the turned over table it's so loud that you're not going to be able to hear anything if you shoot a gun in your house um if you have noise canceling earmuffs which they sell them for i think about 60 dollars you can uh, shoot. The noise-canceling earmuffs will cancel out the sound. You'll still be able to hear what the bad guys are doing and what your family members are doing. So you'll be able to communicate better, and you won't be almost shell-shocked from the, the sound of, uh, of any gunshots. Um, it's nothing else, it, the noise-canceling, has it's the microphone. You can turn it up, and you can hear better than uh, just regular hearing. So being able to hear what's going on in your house could give you an advantage. Um, and then finally, having a, a plan for what's gonna, what's gonna happen. So rather than, uh, waiting until you've got people intent on taking your stuff at, at the best and, you know, you know, killing you at worst, and instead of waiting until they're in your home, having a plan with your family, whoever you're defending your home with, on what you're gonna do, where you're gonna go, and, and work that out. So, Again, using that prior knowledge of where the threat is and how much time you have till they get to you uh, is going to give you uh, more time to make a plan, right? So if they get in the home, this is what we're going to do. You know, we have, you know, this you know, this giant table or this filing cabinet that's going to, you know, rally behind this and, you know, Bob, you're going to, you know, take out the back bedroom door or the back bedroom window and I'm going to watch the front. If they come in here, I've got the front, you've got the back. You know, having a plan, uh, as opposed to just sitting there and and uh, you know yelling is gonna it's gonna be tough because it's gonna be a high stress situation. But you know being able to plan what you're gonna do with the people who you're defending your home, even if it's just your wife and kids, is uh, is gonna make you more successful.
0: You know, here's the here's the one thing I, I worry the most about, and um and, and it really comes into like the actual defense because I mean if you're if you're truly facing a mob of people and, and this can quickly turn into a mob. What we've seen is that even if it just starts out at a few, as a few people or whatever, if something looks like an easy target, like for some reason, like the wolves tend to like huddle together in a pack when, it, when there's a hunt going on. Right. You know, it, and, and typically what you see in these types of riots is there's this fascination with fire. Like, okay, we've taken everything. Let's set it on fire. And especially, even if you're in, if you're engaging, um, a group of people, especially if you hit someone. So if you have a rifle or if you have some other weapon and you, you know, they're coming at your house and you decide, okay, this is lethal force time. I have to defend myself and you fire. That can do one of two things. It can either scare them away, like, oh, oh shit, you know, they're, they've got a gun. I'm going to get out of here because I don't want to get shot. But we've also seen the opposite where people, there, there's, it's almost like this, um, like, uh, this backdraft, right? Like, you see people go away at first, but then they kind of get sucked back in like, oh, no, no, no. We're, we're gonna, you know, you wanna fight that way. And then all of a sudden, the Molotov cocktails come out or, you know, somebody throws something. And so fire for me is a, is a, a big factor because that, isn't that like the easiest thing for, I mean, the mob isn't gonna be armed with like a, a squad of AR-15, you know, right, infantrymen. You know, they're gonna be going for, you know if if they truly see it as an attack i see them really just kind of firebombing the house so one thing i would say to add I and mean, people probably don't have enough fire extinguishers or any fire extinguisher in their, in their home typically but if somebody throws one of those at the front of your house or on the the second story landing or something like that having a means to put that out seems like it would be it would be beneficial but then also because of that fire to me seems like such a threat, like having some sort of an exit strategy, like if possible, you know, and and one of the things that I've done differently, somebody else suggested this to me in relation to a home invasion. But it's like if you ever had to get out of your home, um, like I've gotten used to backing into my garage now, you know, where if I ever had to leave my home in my vehicle, like very rapidly, I wouldn't have to do a three-point turn out of my garage and back, you know, trying to back out at full force into something. Right. I can just open the garage door and then hightail it out of there. But so that's, that's one thing I've started doing also, but then that exit strategy seems like, again, it's like one of those, one of those things with the family, like, okay, here's what we need to do if we need to get out of here. And that might even be like a bicycle, you know, it might even be, you know, if we can't make it to the car, then you know the bikes are in in the the breezeway, and grab those and take off. And you know I can bike faster than a mob can run, so
2: um, having some <laughs> yeah. sort of
0: exercise. At least I hope I can. But um, you know those there there really is a lot that goes into this. You know I mean a lot of forethought. And yeah, well, if you do it
2: right, I mean I, yeah, absolutely. I mean if you're planning for survival in a situation like this, you you know, you know, that plan that you're just talking about, I mean, that's, that's the great idea. Like if, if, if it all goes south, if, you know, if the house is on fire, what is our plan then? Cause you, you definitely don't want to stay inside the house. Right. Um, you know, you know, Molotov cocktails, uh, you know, we've, we've had guys talk about this on, on our site, um, a lot too, because it's a very, it's a very simple way to destroy a home. Um, any You know, anybody with, you know, a fifth-grade education can make them off cocktail. Right, yeah. And as soon as you can do, you know, like if you have a a metal roof that would, you know, prevent, you know, fire possibly, you know, you could, you know, wrap your windows in chicken wire because, you know, the bottle would, you know, bounce off the window. And, you know, those things you can do, but it starts getting kind of, you know, crazy, I think. Part of
0: it kind of mad mad max your house a little bit, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. uh, If you're doing that, you know, you know, and they're throwing them off cocktails, you're in the wrong place. So I (laughs) I think, you know, the, you know, the, the fall back and get out of Dodge, you know, grab the bicycles that are hidden, you know, half a mile through the woods or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, or, you know, bust out your garage door and mow down whoever's in the way. I mean, you have to, you have to make a plan for that. If, if, if it gets that bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, let's hope it doesn't get that
2: bad. Absolutely. <laughs> but,
0: you know, there's only so much you can put into hope. So that's why we're having this conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, great information, man. As always, I, I love having you on the show. Um, look, everybody, this, Pat, Pat's blog really is one of my favorite blogs to go to. He's got amazing information over there and, um, it's, you know, it's his information that really, uh, stands out for me. So, so definitely go check it out. Is, uh, it's at www.theprepperjournal.com, and uh, really great stuff over there. So uh, until the next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now.